One of the lessons I've learned in martial arts is that standing still is asking to be hit. If you stand still in business, your competition is going to catch up. I start each morning practicing martial arts because it brings me balance and focus. And I want to know how others stay motivated as well. So join me for conversations on business, innovation, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dan Schulman. Welcome to Never Stand Still. Hi, I'm Dan Schulman, President and CEO of PayPal, and welcome to another episode of Never Stand Still. Today, I'm honored and delighted to have Ed Stack, the CEO of Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, with me today. Ed uh, and I met um, a number of months ago, uh, and uh, I was inspired uh, by his story. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods was started by Ed's dad uh, in 1948. And uh, when Ed, who really planned on being a lawyer and not coming into the company business, came back, uh, in 1977, to um, to come back into the business, uh, Dick's Sporting Good was two stores, and they had about two million dollars of annualized sales. Today, uh, they have 850 stores. It's a publicly traded company uh, with sales of about eight and a half billion dollars. Uh, so there's no question. Um, that Ed has done an amazing job just as a retailer uh, in a very difficult environment. But what I think has most uh, impressed me um, about Ed and uh, and where we have a lot of commonalities um, is um, his stance on gun control. Um, Dix uh, was one of the largest sellers of uh, guns in the United States. And um, on Valentine's Day, uh, a number of years ago, uh, when the Parkland uh, High School uh, massacre occurred, where 17 kids uh, were shot and killed, um, Ed was really shook to his core uh, on that. Um, He... Uh, learned uh, that the perpetrator of this had purchased a shotgun uh, at Dick's, uh, one of Dick's uh, sporting goods stores. Turns out that gun was not a part of the massacre, uh, but it did not shake his belief that something had to be done um, to address uh, this issue. He immediately uh, decided uh, to... um, uh, stop the sales of uh, uh, assault-style uh, rifles um, uh, at Dick's Sporting Goods, all sales of that, to stop selling any uh, guns to people under 21, and to stop selling high-caliber uh, magazines or uh, uh, multi-bullet magazines for assault weapons. He met in private uh, with the families of the Parkland Um, survivors. Um, He became a fierce advocate for gun control uh, in Washington. He faced numerous threats, personal threats, as a result of his decisions. He knew that his business, a publicly traded business, was going to suffer in terms of sales. They actually uh, took down projections by 
a quarter of a billion dollars as a result of, uh, of his actions. And he is a leader uh, as a CEO activist and as somebody who deeply cares about the issues in our society. And I couldn't be more honored and more inspired by all you've done, Ed. So oh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Nice. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So maybe um, I can uh, start off a little bit uh, with um, history and then we'll move to, uh, um, to you know, the issues of our day and, and how you're reacting to those and how you've taken a leadership role. So you came back to the business uh, you know, out of uh, out of college. Right. I don't really think you ever really wanted to go into the family business. Two stores grew into 850 stores. Can you talk a little bit about that journey on, on how you decided to come back to the family business and then uh, the amazing growth you've had since then? Yeah, sure. So yeah, you're right. I had no interest in being in the, in the family business. I had started there when I was 13 because my father was going to teach me responsibility and kind of had the business <laughs> shoved down my throat you know, yeah. and when I was getting out of college, I, I had no interest in coming back into the business. But uh, as it would happen, my dad got really quite sick and mm. uh, had a double bypass operation back in 1975 when that was a pretty serious operation. A lot of people didn't get off the table from it, and he never quite made it back emotionally or physically. So when I got out of school, I came back into the business, never thinking I was going to stay. I was the oldest of five kids and uh, had to come back into our, our little, I mean, we had two little stores, uh, really small stores. So I just came back to help, never planning to stay. And uh, um, 40-some years later, I'm still here. And it's uh, unbelievable, actually, 40 years. And what was it over these past 40 years? I mean, it's an amazing story. Like, uh, what was it that kept you uh, going all these years? It was somewhere along the line after I'd come back uh, and really disliking the business for so long. Somewhere in that first year, I fell in love with the business. And uh, I liked the fast pace of retail. You get a scorecard every day. I, I just absolutely loved it. And uh, uh, But as, as it would happen, fathers and sons can sometimes have a, a different agenda and a different yeah. point of view. And yeah. uh, my father and I did. I wanted to grow the business. He didn't want to grow the business. And we had some pretty spirited conversations. And uh, as I've often said that when my father and I would get in these spirited conversations, he would talk in incomplete sentences and one-syllable <laughs> words. But uh, you knew exactly what he meant. And one day we were having one of these spirited conversations about growing the business, and, and I was for it. He wasn't. And he finally looked at me and said, if you think you're such a smart fill-in-the-blank GDSOB, go down to the bank, get your own line of credit, and buy me out. Mm. So that's what I did. Went down to the bank, <laughs> talked to them, got a line of credit, came back and told them that we were uh, ready to go. And I quickly found out he wasn't quite ready to go yet. And it yeah. uh, took a few more years. And then in 1984, we uh, bought the two stores for my father and, uh, and uh, have kind of done what we've done since then. And it's been a, it's been a great ride. I'm, I'm so fortunate to have been able to do this. Yeah, it's an incredible, uh, incredible story. I want to um, uh, jump to uh, Valentine's Day uh, of 2018. Um, and um, you had always thought about social issues um, and the role of, of businesses, but really on that day when the Parkland um, massacre occurred, um, it really, it hit you and it hit you hard. Um, and 
I would love for our viewers to understand the depth of your emotional reaction to that and then how that set into motion all of the actions you took because um, they really piled one on top of another and you probably didn't anticipate all of it, but you did it out of a sense of what was going on in your, in your heart, really. It was. That day was a, was a, a really defining day. Um, I remember in my office watching, uh, having the TV on, and, and all of a sudden the, the kids are, are being escorted out of school with their hands up, their hands out, to make sure that uh, you know, the authorities know that they don't have a gun. And, uh, and watching those kids come out of there um, had a profound effect on me. And, and uh, as it kind of the, the story continued to unfold, and I listened to those survivors talk about what happened, and I listened to those parents talk about what happened, and there's been so much gun violence in this country. And I was saying, somebody's got to do something. There's got to be some, there's got to be some change. We need to do something. And uh, as I continued to say, somebody's got to do something, it finally dawned on me that I needed to be somebody to take a stand because we have a real expertise here. We were one of the largest firearms uh, dealers in the country. I found out a couple days after the shooting that we had sold this kid a shotgun. And for me, that was the point that I said, this system isn't working. Yeah. We need to stand up and say something. That must have hit you so hard. It did. And, and I, 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 watched those, I watched those kids talk and those parents talk about the kids that they lost. And it was, I'm a pretty stoic guy. And I will tell you, and I'm not embarrassed to say this, that... I hadn't cried that much since my mother passed away. Watching these kids, and I said, if these kids can be brave enough to do what they're doing, we need to be brave enough to take a stand and stand up. And even though it's going to have an impact on our business, we have to do what's right. And uh, and that's what we did. I came back and I wrote a uh, kind of a, a paper on what I wanted us to say. And uh, um, I, I was emotional all weekend trying to write this. And when I came back into the office on Monday morning and sat down with our management team, I tried to read this piece of paper, um, and I couldn't get through it. I got emotional again to the point where our, uh, our chief of staff had to take the paper from me and, uh, and finish reading it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, had, uh, we had a conversation about what we were going to do, what it was going to cost us, how we were going to figure it out. And our CFO said, well, we can do these things, but this is going to have a real material impact and uh, we need to find out what those numbers are. And I said, you're absolutely right. We're a public company. We have to guide what's going to happen. So you should do your work and figure out what it is, that the impact that it's going to have. But I don't really care. This is what we're going to do. Hmm. Um, and, and that's what we did. Yeah. And, uh, so um, you also went kind of then on TV to talk about what you're going to do. And you're a very low-key uh, individual. You're low-profile. Right. TV is not anything that you desire to do ever. Um, and this is going to be a very public type of thing. Can you talk a little bit about how hard that was to go do? And then afterwards you decide to go and meet 
with uh, the families uh, of the victims. Can you talk a little bit about what led to that and, and, um, and your reactions there? Yeah, sure. I, I had no interest in going on TV. My, my plan was to just have a statement, press release, this is what we're going to do. And what we said that, that we wanted to do, that we were going to do, is that we would no longer sell any of the assault-style rifles in any of our stores. After Sandy Hook, we took them out of the Dick stores and never put them back. But we had this chain field and stream, the outdoors, uh, full outdoor store. We had them in there. We said we were taking the assault-style rifles out of those stores, all stores, and we would never put them back in. We wouldn't sell high-capacity magazines. And we would never, we wouldn't sell a gun to anyone under 21 years old any longer. And so I just wanted to make a press release. That's what we're going to do. And uh, our team came to me and said, you really need to go on TV and, 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 and talk about this. This is a really important issue. So after a couple of days, they convinced me to do that. So I was on Good Morning America with Stephanopoulos and, and talked about it. But before I went on, it just happened to be the day that the kids in Parkland were going back to school. And... There's news feeds all over and, uh, you know, pictures of the kids going back to school. There's uh, um, tweets coming out, and they're, they're up on this screen. And, and I couldn't read them because every time I talk about these kids or what happened, I would get emotional and choked up, so I couldn't look at any of them. And I, I sat down on, uh, on Good Morning America, and I had my, my right hand under the table, and I was squeezing it as hard as I could because the thing I was most afraid of is that I would break down on TV. Mm. And fortunately, I didn't. Um, and then we went to, uh, we were going to then go to CNN, because I said I'll do two interviews. That's all. I didn't want it to look like we were looking for publicity. We'll make our statement. I'll do two interviews, and I'm going back to Pittsburgh. And uh, we, were, we weren't ready for the response that we got. We knew there would be a lot of people who would be really upset, um, and, and there were. But we got such an outpouring of of hope that something was going to be be different and uh, our team started reading me some of the, the the posts that came in and there was one that that I'll never forget and a woman said I was driving to work today and heard you on CNN and I had to pull over to the side of the road because I was weeping uncontrollably because I thought my kids were a little safer in school today and uh, you know that got me emotional again and a couple of other ones. And I finally said to uh, our, uh, Lauren Hobart, who's our president, who was reading them to me, I said, I, you can't read me any more of those. Read me, some of the, read me some of the nasty ones. And so she read me some of the nasty ones so that I could kind of, you know, kind of get my emotions back. And, uh, and it worked. Some of the nasty ones kind of, they were pretty nasty, and yeah. they got my Irish up. And uh, so then we went to, to CNN and uh, talked at CNN. And uh, then we were done. And uh, I got convinced to do one more at, uh, that was taped for uh, the NBC News. And so, and then we left, went back to Pittsburgh. And by the time that news, are, that news story ran at 6 o'clock on NBC, Walmart, Kroger, and L.O. Bean had come out with similar uh, stances, which was really great that other people were stepping up to do this and, and validated what we were doing. And, yeah. and uh, um, if we had the chance to do it all over, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. If we had the chance to do it all over again, we'd do it exactly the same way. We wouldn't even think twice. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. We have um, taken stands as well uh, at PayPal. And um, people often ask me, are these difficult decisions? And the truth of the matter is they're not difficult decisions. If you're making a decision based on your values, um, 
you have to make that decision. Um, there are consequences, and those consequences can be difficult, like threats and right. those kinds of things. But um, doing the right thing, which is what you ultimately decided um, had to happen, and somebody had to step up, and then being a role model and watching other retailers um, follow that lead as well. Um, we saw some of that happen as well when we've taken stands. Um, is what I think corporations now need to start to think about what is their role in society uh, in terms of um, advocating uh, for positions that they believe in and issues um, that are consistent with their values. Um, and you're now, uh, whether you like it or not, an advocate now for gun reform um, and one of the leading voices uh, for that. Uh, Doug McMillan at Walmart has, uh, has also now um, uh, done similar types of things. I admire what he's doing. Can you talk a little bit about the role of of a business leader, of a CEO, of uh, social responsibility within a corporation, how you think about that? Yeah, I think everybody's got to find their own way of what they want to do. And uh, so, you know, in our opinion, if you have, if you see that there's an issue and you have an expertise in it and you can offer a solution, then you should stand up and say something, which is what we did. Um, we can't weigh in on every single issue, but things that we really have a, an expertise on, we should weigh in on. And, and I think, not to get too political, but there's not a lot of leadership coming out of Washington right now. Most people would agree with that. And the country is thirsting for leadership someplace. And uh, I think right now the place that most of the leadership is coming out of is the, is the private sector and the business community. You know, with what you've done, what we've done, what, uh, you know, Walmart's done um, and, and a number of others. It's uh, leadership has to come from us now, and so it's it's our responsibility to uh, to do that. And uh, you know, we're not going to stop this conversation. When you know, I was invited, as you said, I was invited to talk to the the families at Parkland, and one of the things that I promised them when we got done with our talk is that I would keep this conversation going, and that we would continue to fight for reasonable gun reform, and uh, we're 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 going to continue to do that. Yeah. Well, I will say this, that it is a, uh, it's an inspiration for a lot of us um, in terms of your willingness to, uh, to step up um, and, um, and put yourself at some risk uh, to go and do that. And um, as a publicly traded company, to know that it's going to impact uh, your sales and still go through with, you know, the right decision is difficult. It's difficult to go and do. And, you know, I do martial arts um, almost every day. And um, I found that uh, this idea of how do you react when hits come? And, and you took some hits. Sure. Um, you had some gun manufacturers that were not happy uh, with the uh, uh, decisions that you made, no doubt. There's some investors that, that weren't as well. Can you talk just a little bit about how you personally deal with kind of these hits, how you take them, then how you get back up, and, you know, how you think about um, the ups and downs of, uh, 
of life. Yeah, I, I guess, it, you know, in the roles that we are and roles that a lot of people have, whether they're running a business, running a school, you know, teaching a class, there's always going to be good days and bad days. And, uh, and you, you know that going in. If you're a professional athlete, you're going to have good games and you're going to have some games that might not be that great. And you just need to understand that and roll with the punches and, uh, and do the best you can. And uh, I always say that, uh, you know, after you have a bad day, I, mean, I love what I do. Yeah. And after I have a bad day, I go home, I have, a, I have a good meal, and I get a good night's sleep, and I'm ready to go again. And that's the only attitude you can have. Otherwise, it, it could really, you know, beat you down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if this is what you want to do, and uh, you love it, and you think you can make a difference, then you get up every morning and, and do the best. You, you yeah. persevere, and you do the best you can. And, uh, and you'll make some mistakes sometimes, but hopefully you make a lot more right decisions than wrong decisions. You have a book coming out. Um, and uh, in that book, um, one of the things you mentioned is that uh, you've got to l- learn to, to, you know, life isn't straight up and to the right. Right. I think one of the quotes you have in there, which is great, is that there are good days and there are bad days and then there are very bad days. Right. Um, and so are there some other lessons that uh, come out of that, uh, that book that uh, um, our viewers might be interested in? Yeah, I, I think the the whole idea that one of the reasons to, to to be able to talk to new entrepreneurs, the new generation, that no matter what you do, it doesn't go up, you know, straight. There are going to yeah. be some really difficult times, and there's going to be the times where you're going to be sitting alone in those introspective moments and going, "What am I doing? I don't know that I can do this." Mm-hmm. And if you really believe in it, you gotta you gotta just dig down deep and and do it. A couple of other lessons that uh, that I talk about in the book is that you have to have some people that you can talk with and guide you. So when I bought the business from my father in, in 1984, the very first thing I did was put together a board of directors. So I put together an outside board of some business people in, in Binghamton that I knew, um, and it they were, and I took them seriously, yeah. and they took the, the job seriously. Now, we're a little company at the time, but I knew that... I didn't have all the answers. I knew that I needed somebody to help guide us. You need a sounding board because if you, you know, the old adage, if you start believing your own BS, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And you need to have somebody who will look at you and say, you know what, Dan, I don't really think that's the way it should do. Or, Dan, did you think about this? And if you don't have those people, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. And, uh, you know, make sure you have some people that you can count on, listen to, and have a sounding board, and uh, it, it, you'll still make some mistakes, but hopefully you'll make a few less. Yeah, yeah, it's always good uh, to learn from other people's yeah, experiences yeah. on that. Uh, Ed, I just want to thank you for uh, being on the show uh, with me. Um, you know, we had a chance in front of uh, the PayPal uh, uh, team uh, earlier today to uh, to hear your story, and um, I think the. Uh, Standing ovation you got for several minutes there is a testament to just how much uh, we respect uh, what you and uh, Dick Sporting Goods stands for and what you've done. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Very much appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. Okay.